in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday, at the 8 o'clock service, right here, a man passed out in the middle of worship. It looked like a stroke. Now, if you have a stroke, the last person you want around is me. I have no idea what to do. But out of the congregation, a retired doctor came over to this man's side, and someone else in the congregation called 911. And the police officer who's with us every morning was in the back and ready to direct the first responders. A few people and Father G followed this man to the hospital so they could be there to pray with him. And a couple other parishioners trying to be very intentional went and moved the man's car that was parked outside so it wouldn't get towed. When something went wrong in this man's life, he had a community around him. In each of our lives, when things go wrong, we become increasingly aware of our need to be connected to others. But the truth is, we always need to have a community around us. We're told as Christians that we're part of the body of Christ. We're meant to be connected to one another. Children know this from a very early age. They learn that song, um, the hip bone's connected to the thigh bone, and so forth and so on. We're, we're meant to be part of something larger than ourselves. This is the last sermon we're having on our sermon series where we look at the vital signs of the faith. We've looked at our call to build a relationship with God through prayer and worship. We've looked at our call to give, not only of our money, but also of our time and our wisdom and our insights. We've looked at our call to grow, to constantly be learning and stretching. And today, we're looking at our call to be part of a group. We're called to have a community. We're called to journey through life with other people. Do you remember way back at the beginning of the book of Genesis when God is creating everything? God creates the earth, and God says it is good. And God creates the plants and the animals, and God says it is good. And God creates the stars and the planets, and God says they are good. Do you remember the first time in the Bible when God says something is not good? It's when God is speaking to Adam, and God looks at him and says, it is not good that man should be alone. And sometimes we think that this is about marriage, but it's really a much more powerful statement. God is saying that all of us are meant to be in community. It is not good for us to be alone. In the gospel passage we read today, we're introduced to a woman who the Bible describes has a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. This woman had some sort of spinal issue. She was unable to stand upright and walked around looking at the ground. She was unable to look into the eyes of those around her. She was unable to see the friendly smiles of those she might encounter. And if she had traveled to Jerusalem and gone to the temple, the central place of worship, 
because of this spinal issue, she wouldn't have been allowed in. She wouldn't have been allowed to fully participate in her community. She may have been allowed into the court of the Gentiles around the edges of the temple where the unclean folk were permitted, those who were excluded from the community. But she probably wouldn't have been allowed into the court of the women because of her physical appearance. And she certainly wouldn't, wouldn't have been allowed into the court of the Israelites or the inner court because of her gender. In the original language of the New Testament, the Koine Greek, if we look at the grammatical tense that is used to describe her ailment, it's clear that she succumbed to this ailment at a particular moment in the past. In other words, she had some sort of incident or injury that prevented her from being able to stand upright. She hadn't been born this way. Think about that. She probably remembered a time in her life when she was fully welcomed into the community. Imagine that psychological pain. She could remember being welcome. She could remember belonging. But now she had lost her community. Now she was alone. My wife trained at, at Parkland Hospital in, in Dallas, Texas. It's one of the largest hospitals in the country. A few years ago, as the hospital was facing chronic, um, uh, chronic overcrowding and, and space issues in their emergency room, they decided to do a study to analyze the patients that were going through there. And what they found was that a single group of 80 patients had in one year visited the emergency room 5,139 times costing the hospital $14 million. They decided to dig deeper, so they sent people out to interview these patients and to try to figure out what caused all these visits to the emergency room. Their conclusion? Loneliness was a contributing factor. Food insecurity had an impact. But the driving factor causing all these hospital visits was loneliness. Loneliness literally kills people. Researchers have found that the heightened risk of death um, associated with loneliness is the equivalent as, as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, as being an alcoholic, and the health risks associated with loneliness are greater than the health risks associated with obesity. In 2017, the U.S. Surgeon General called loneliness a health epidemic, a public health epidemic. And the following year, in 2018, the United Kingdom saw this as such a big challenge to society that they appointed a minister for loneliness. Loneliness devastates our physical health. But loneliness also devastates our spiritual health. Jesus saw this woman overcome by what the Bible called a spirit of weakness, a woman who was cut out of her community and alone, and Jesus healed her. But the point of the passage isn't really the physical healing. He restored her ability to be part of the community again. 
she was no longer going to be ostracized. But what's so tragic when I look around the world today is that so many of us choose to be alone. We have a spirit of weakness also. We have weak relationships and weak social connections and weak associations with our neighbors. In the passage we read from Jeremiah, we read about what God's people look like when everything goes wrong. We read about what God's people look like at their very worst, at our very worst. They are like sheep scattered from the pasture. They're disconnected, they're divided, they're alone. And instead, in our psalm today, we read about how we're meant to live, how very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. So here's the question for us. Are you a part of a community? Do you have a group of people who really know you well? Do you have a community that you can turn to when things go wrong in your life? Or to say this another way, do you have people in your life who you trust enough that they can tell you when you are being a jerk? Do you have people in your life who can tell you when you're out of line or when you're being short-sighted? If you don't, you need these people who can tell you when you're being a jerk. So you need to hear this today as an invitation to find a community. Maybe find a community here at St. John's. Not only join us for worship, not only participate in our outreach ministries, but also become an acolyte and serve on the altar guild. If you want to find a group, a community, there's a very specific thing you can do. You can join us next Sunday for Rally Day, and we'll help you find a community, a group. Because we need to make sure that if anyone in this parish finds themselves in any sort of crisis, take a medical crisis, for example, that you will have people to surround you with love, people to, to check on you, to follow you to the hospital, people to pray with you, people to move your car so it doesn't get towed. After all, in the book of Ecclesiastes, we read that two are better than one, for if they fall, one will help the other up. My question for you is, if you fall, do you know who will be there to help you up. Amen.